0: Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I thank you so much for being with us here on the program as we come your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and during the month of December, we're going to be bringing you these programs from 8 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, yeah, we've been given an extra five slots that we are taking advantage of. This is no exception on this particular program. By the way, we stream live at all those times at richarddugan.com. We also podcast our programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. Too numerous to mention here. We are on YouTube as well where you can watch these conversations, and I hope that you will. And I hope that you'll subscribe, but at the very least, at least you will click notification so that when I put up a new conversation such as this one, you will know, ah, there's another conversation to listen to and learn from and and uh, be hopefully uh, educated and inspired and entertained a little bit, I hope. And uh, so we hope that you'll do that. We also hope that you will uh, support us financially. If you can do so, we would greatly appreciate that. We have a PayPal account. It is therefore your security as well as ours. And uh, when they ask you for uh, an email address to whom to send, it is richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And finally, and I'm going to make it a point that we go into this area on this program today, We ask that you participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we ask you to spend time going within and listening to that still small voice or maybe just sitting quietly. You can call it meditation. You can call it a pause. You can call it whatever you want, but you should take the time. I'll be honest with you in the last week or two of this conversation haven't had much time to do that. I've been involved in a a production that, uh, here in Santa Barbara, I've shared with you folks before about the Santa Barbara rebels and the winter solstice programs that they put on. And I was involved again this year and had a great time. And of course, as you can hear in my voice, uh, caught a little something, but, uh, Hey, the show must go on. And I had a wonderful time with a wonderful group of people, uh, both on stage and behind the scenes. And, uh, I tell you what, uh, I I would do it again and probably will in 2024. We'll see how that goes. With our program notes all set, we're going to talk today with a woman who's um, got a book that's rather interesting. And uh, part of me, when I first read the title, thought, yeah, I often question myself as to why I am eating this. Uh, is this the nourishment I need Well, first of all, it's available on Amazon. It's also available through energyworkswisdom.com, energyworkswisdom.com. My guest, well, my guest is Sandy Robertson. Uh, She is joining us here. She, oh my Lord, she's got so many letters after her name. Uh, I'll let her expound on those as we move forward. She's an author, board certified holistic nurse, and for the past 25 years, she has been a notable corporate and healthcare systems manager, leader, educator of wellness, and uh, here's a big one for me—not that I've been there, but obesity, um, as well uh, programs. I said I should say, and uh, she has been in the forefront of uh, integrative, uh, complementary, and mind-body approaches to behavior change. Yes, we can change our behaviors, folks. Um, I want to welcome Sandy to the program. Thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you, Richard. Thank you for inviting me to join you. I'm really excited about this conversation today.
0: I want to start, first of all, because um, you are involved in in the uh, obesity programs. I have talked with a number of people about this. And from, <clears throat> from my perspective, my observation, let me put it that way, and uh, I mean no disrespect to anyone, however, what's troubling me in our society specifically here in America is we are glorifying obesity. Some would say, oh, but Richard, you're fat shaming. No, you may choose to be whatever size you want to be my biggest concern and especially for those like the one woman who was in that one drama that family drama some years ago very heavy-set woman uh who has one of the most beautiful voices i have ever heard and my biggest concern is how long will she live to share that with us my concern isn't for the size for the appearance it's for one's well-being. Can you talk to us a little bit about your perspective in regards to this issue that we've got in this country specifically? I don't know that this is a problem in other countries, but it sure is a big one uh, uh, in in our uh, in America. You're exactly right, Richard. The
1: obesity rates I've seen are 75 to even 80 percent in some demographics in the United States. Some people ask why. Sometimes I simplify it and say a super size culture. If you see pictures of the portion sizes of food from the 50s, they're small. A cookie, a muffin, a serving size. And now everyone thinks bigger is better in terms of food portions. I think that combined with a really rapid, uh, busy, media-driven culture, a lot of people say they don't have time to cook. They're turning to fast foods or processed foods. And also people are eating very fast. So the combination of all of that, from what I've seen counseling thousands of people in hospital and corporate programs is people are eating too much, too fast, but most of all, not pausing to tune in, as you talked about in the beginning so beautifully, to just stop and pause and tune in to what's really going on. So therefore, there are many people are eating to self-soothe anxiety, stress, depression, other issues. And they're not aware of it. They're not conscious because of this busy, busy lifestyle. I will say some people may have a metabolic issue. So I'm putting them in a a slightly different category. And uh, those people, of course, talk to your doctor, get the health care you need. And or some people also could use some mental health counseling, therapy, psychological support for mental health, not just mental health, but trauma that may be there. But Mm -hmm. in summary, there are a lot of things going on about why we choose food and when. And this book, Why Am I Eating This? Is this the nourishment I need? I really wanted people to pause and stop and to look at the concept of nourishment and fuel and self-love, most of all, self-love from a very different perspective and have fun with it too.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, I recognize <clears throat> that in some instances, as you already alluded to, there are people who have put on the weight as a form of protection because of maybe the traumas and or abuses they've uh, experienced and received in in years gone by. And I I understand that from the intellectual standpoint, I must say. Uh, but at the same time, it's like there has to come a point. And I've seen some of these programs where these people are over 600 pounds and then some. And I think it's laudable that the doctor is really trying to help these people, but they have to have the, the 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 willpower, and some of them do, and are successful at taking off the weight. But then again, there is that psychological component that you were talking about. I remember when I hit two hundred pounds, I'm five nine, and what bothered me wasn't the weight itself; it was the psychological no. 200 is not my number. That is not me. And um, I'm now down to 160, but that's due to other issues in my life that that have helped to bring that down. So I'm on the one hand, I'm happy, but not so much how that happened, but be that as it may. Um, I mean, 40 pounds I've lost in, say, five or seven years or something like that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, one of the other aspects of this in terms of uh, why am I eating this, let's talk about this from the perspective of cravings. And and again, I know that, that a lot of what we're going to talk about here, of course, is, is more, shall we say, psychological than it is actually uh, physical. But by the same token, what we eat does affect and potentially alter our chemistry, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So... I am craving chocolate, I am craving pizza, I am craving um, acorn squash, I am cra- whatever the craving is, there's usually a reason why we're craving that or can it be more the psychological, I am craving this because I'm trying to, as you used the term earlier, self-soothe.
1: I think it can be either or both. We have an addiction center in our brain that drives what we crave. And some people, everyone has different physiology and metabolisms. So some people's craving centers crave more of something Mm -hmm. such as sugar. However, I know a lot of people who, for example, stop eating sugar. They decide, I'm just Stop eating sugar. And they also really either stop or reduce carbs, carbohydrates, especially processed foods. And they start eating some fruit instead and more whole grains. And they realize they're not craving the sugar or the carbs as much because they were able to change their metabolism and change to some degree the addiction center in their brain, what they were craving. Other people, and this is in the media a lot now. With the weight loss drugs that are getting a lot of publicity. Uh, some people are finding they cannot do it on their own and need some uh, medical and medicinal support. And for those people, I encourage them to talk to their doctors. One size doesn't fit all, and it needs to be handled in a very personalized approach for everyone. So that's how I look at it that it's personalized and individualized. Everyone's metabolism is different. And I know people who, have been able to shift their cravings and shift their behaviors around food, choose healthier items and not be craving as much. And for some people, they realize they do need that uh, support provided by medication.
0: That's another issue we'll get into as well as we continue talking with Sandy Robertson here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are talking with Sandy Robertson. R N M S N C H T P C M I P A B C D E F G. that's <laughs> <I'm>, a lot. <laughs> I, it <is>. Alphabet. <laughs> it absolutely is. Pardon me, folks. Uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about this wonderful book that she has available for you. But I want you to know that you can go to her website, which is energyworkswisdom.com, which we will be linked to. To connect with Sandy, you can receive a free excerpt from her new book, focusing on self-care and mind-body nourishment. And that's not all, folks. let Sandy know that you heard about her program, her book. On this program, Tell Me Your Story, and you'll receive a free 20-minute complimentary consultation around how you can use the tools in her book, to change your relationship with food and eat for good, and that's—I uh, think—that's real appropriate. One of the one of the things, and um, and again, I I try not to tell uh, stories uh, out uh, tell stories out of uh, school, so to speak, as they say. But <clears throat> I have to remind my wife to eat because she's just not hungry. You know, now I can't argue with her as to no, you you have to be hungry. You haven't eaten since whatever it is, and I just remind her, look, you need to keep putting fuel in the machine. Yes. Otherwise, you're going to have other problems. Uh, do do we do we have that issue? And again, I I don't know that it falls under those categories of anorexia, anorexia, or bulimia, or some other uh, yeah. Um, Or if that's if that's something that some folks uh, maybe, you know, over 50 or 60, maybe even younger, they just they 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 don't maybe they don't like the taste of the food. Maybe I, I don't know what the reasons could be, but they just they don't they don't nourish themselves like they should to keep the machine going
1: it takes being deliberate about nourishment richard mm-hmm. that's another great point that i talk about in my book to ask ourselves what's the best nourishment for me now whether or not i'm hungry because as you said our bodies need fuel our our brain needs fuel and what i see counseling people sometimes people forget that they think ah eh, i'm not hungry also i'd like to lose a few pounds you know it's fine if i skip meals mm-hmm. but their brain needs fuel. And think of Olympic athletes. My father used to use the analogy, look at a fine athlete. They're eating in, in a very deliberate way for their fuel and optimal fuel. And as I just mentioned, our brains need fuel too. Some people forget this, especially what they eat for breakfast or they may skip breakfast. So some people, you're right, as they get older, their appetites change. Our metabolism changes Some people eat to live, some live to eat. But what I really want to support people in doing with a book, you said it, changing the relationship with food and eating, is to just reframe how they're looking at food and to see it as fuel and nourishment from a place of non-judgment. So not about shame or blame, but just what's the best... Fuel for me right now, what's the best nourishment? It may be I need sleep or water or a friend or prayer or spirituality or nature walking outside, but is this the best fuel for me? Mm. Will this give me energy and comfort, and what else might be the best support for me in terms of self care That's really what I want people to step into in this book and in a whole new way of looking at our nourishment and self care that we give to ourselves every day.
0: And the the other aspect of nourishing oneself, and it's hard to go into specifics in this subject because everybody is an individual. Everybody's different. But when we eat the foods that we crave or that we think are providing us with nourishment We are altering, changing our body's chemistry. Uh, I know that uh, there's been probably lots of study on the effects of chocolate, say on the hormones and so on and so forth. Um, I I guess we can talk about this aspect in a general sense uh, rather than saying, okay, this is what we should all be eating Because I love those little short films or videos on YouTube that say, this is the perfect food. And it's a different perfect food every week. And then, of course, you've seen, I'm sure, and I remember this back in the 80s and 90s. It seemed like there was a a report that would come out almost daily. Coffee is wonderful for you to do this. And the next day, coffee is horrible for you. And you could go down the list of different foods that we eat and you'd get that kind of back and forth pro and con. Um, Talk to us a little bit about, I guess, the aspect of, of being aware of what you're craving or just what you're eating. And how do we tap into how it is affecting our chemistry?
1: That's a great question, Richard. I encourage all my clients and everyone I know really to keep a self care diary, you could also call it oh. a symptom diary, and start tracking what you're eating and how you're feeling. And also, another key thing I ask people to track is how they're sleeping and also if they got exercise that day and what's going on emotionally. It could be one word, but to start seeing a pattern, a lot of my clients. What I'm seeing, I also do energy work and they're sleep deprived. So when we're sleep deprived, we wake up. A lot of times we're craving carbs or sugar and quick energy. And that sets off this cascade during the day. Uh, Some people aren't getting enough exercise. Some have environmental issues going on with whether it's dust or other things in their environment. So like you said, we are all different. Uh, The visual I love is a kaleidoscope that we're made up of energy. Our body is an energy system. And also our minds, bodies, and spirits and energy system affect how we're feeling in any given moment. Again, think of the kaleidoscope. It's always changing. So for people to be able to ask in real time, what's the nourishment I need right now at this moment today? And say I have a craving for a snack and I walk into the kitchen and I think I want chocolate. And I pause and just for a moment, okay, what, what do I really need right now or want? And sometimes I can say almonds, you know, that's fine. And then sometimes I realize I'm tired. (laughs) I don't need a snack. What I really need to do is go to sleep early tonight, or I, I might be dehydrated. A lot of my clients are dehydrated. So that's think of the kaleidoscope ever changing. And as much as people I want people to change their relationship with themselves that they realize they can tune in and ask in this moment, real-time snapshot, what nourishment does my body need? Mm.
0: There is a technique I learned, wow, 30, 35 years ago. (laughs) It's weird to say that sometimes. I do have to tell you. A technique by which our bodies know what they need and what they don't need. And this technique goes by many different names, but the name I learned was kinesiology. And initially, the way I was taught it, uh, I can't demonstrate the one method, but there was another method where you take one hand and you create a loop with your thumb and forefinger. Then you take your other hand and you create another loop and you link them together. And then you say, no, no, and it slips apart and you link them again. You say yes. And it doesn't come apart. So then you go into the grocery store and you're looking for stuff and you're craving this, that, and the other. And then you come up to, I don't know, watermelon. Is this in my best interest? Is this, is this really good for me right now? And you do that little test uh-huh. and you pull. And if it comes apart, don't buy the watermelon because your body is telling you no. No. And then there comes a point, I think, where you do that enough times over the course of, I don't know, months or years, where you don't even have to do that anymore. You you just, you know that you know. It's like your intuition, which brings us to that aspect of our intuition, that still small voice. Talk to us about the importance in this regards to, why am I eating this? It's disgusting. <laughs>
1: We all have intuition. You're right, Richard. Um, some people's are more fine-tuned, but the example you just gave is a great example of kinesiology and or muscle testing Yes, that many doctors, medical providers have been trained in. But I do believe we can train ourselves to, like you just said, listen to the still small voice within and to pause and tune in and just ask. Like I just gave the example of the almonds. I want chocolate. Well, you know, how about almonds? And to get a sense of, yes, almonds would be better fuel for me right now. And so I believe everyone can start doing that if they're willing to pause and tune in and ask the question from a neutral, non judgmental place. It's not about good or bad or judgment. It's just yeah. like you said, what's the best nourishment mm-hmm. right now for my body? And if you're with a friend or family member, It could be completely different for them. That's the Mm -hmm. important thing to remember. It's different for everyone in any given moment.
0: Yeah. In fighting with my blood sugar, um, I've been through this now twice in my life. The first time I kicked the blood sugar issue in about a month and a half. Mm -hmm. I got it down to normal, no longer type 2 diabetic. And then March of 2023, don't know other than I had read that stress can elevate one's blood sugar, i.e. through the hormones. The stress activates the hormones that then blah, 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 blah. And of course, with the loss of my father, my best friend, this, that, the other thing that's been going on, I guess that makes sense. I share this with my doctor. Oh, no, there's no connection whatsoever. Absolutely not. And I'm going, really? And then I struggle with what to eat. And of course, I go online, probably the mistake I make, And I say, okay, what's best for? And then one day, bananas are great. The next day, stay away from bananas. And that goes on and on with all of the different things that I thought would help to bring down the blood sugar, which, like I said, I did it for in a month and a half. I I knocked it out. And it was great. And I was normal for so many, for a year and a half, two and a half years, roughly, maybe a little bit more. And now, for some reason, it just will not move down the way that it should be, where it should be. Um, and it's like I'm getting to the point where it's like, well, I just won't eat. Because if I'm not taking in anything that has sugars or carbs or this or the other, then my blood sugar should, should go way down. Well, unfortunately, I've learned, too, that that is not true either. Not that I necessarily want to go into the issue of type two diabetes, which I know is also a a, a ramp. It's it's rampant in America. Um, I remember when I was a kid, growing up, you rarely heard of it, but you you were aware there were some people who had primarily type one, which you I guess you're born with. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that element that's that's been in our society now for what a couple of decades, and just continues to grow. And it's like the medical community, the pharmaceutical community, the last thing they want is for you to find a miracle cure because then they won't be able to make the kind of money they want to make on the drugs that they're they're pushing. And there are natural ways of solving the problem.
1: So you said in the beginning, Richard, diet is everything. And I believe diet combined with exercise, combined with working with your doctor and healthcare provider collaboratively, can help you, most people, uh, reduce out-of-range labs and blood values on their own. I believe that's possible to really do that, as you did. Mm-hmm. And for some people, medication may be necessary. I want to pause, though, and go back to your point about stress, mm-hmm. especially chronic stress over many months or years. Mm-hmm. You're right, it does affect cortisol levels and hormone levels, which affect the pancreas, and the endocrine system. And that can contribute to A1C, hemoglobin A1C levels being high and people being pre-diabetics. So it's a combination of many things as we've been talking about during this conversation. As we age combined with long-term chronic stress, combined with perhaps diet not being optimal, may contribute, can be a contributing factor. And I also believe that working very collaboratively with a doctor and possibly a health coach too, or a dietitian, people can realize the plant-based foods really zeroing in on reducing carbohydrates combined with exercise, can help them significantly so they may not need as much medication or may not need medication. Mm-hmm. And it, it can also change. That's another thing I want people to realize. Things are always changing, so perhaps during a period of extreme stress, people may need some medicine support. But then, if things quiet down and they're able to get their mind, bodies, spirits, emotions back to uh, equilibrium, they might be able to talk to their doctor about shifting the amount of medication. So that's it's back to real time, a real time mind body spirit and energy systems there are things we can do to help and it doesn't have to be forever that's Mm -hmm. how i look at it
0: Mm -hmm. well i you know the other thought uh i thought was well maybe i'll i'll go through some 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 uh uh, eastern practices to become a guru and then i i can i can transcend all of this and it's like yeah well that kind of a process can take a lifetime just as the lifetime it's going to take to deal with these particular <laughs> health issues. And I've even thought that, too, what you just said. As I as we age, our body's chemistry changes. It just it naturally changes, regardless of the foods we eat and the activity that we have and so forth and the stresses in our lives. Our chemistry changes. Our interests change. Our desires change and shift and so forth and so on. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for a lot of folks around us to understand that. Well, what do you mean you're not interested in that anymore? I don't know. I'm 63 and I'm not interested in that anymore. I I, don't blame me. I just, my chemistry's changed, you know, and well, but if you took this pill, you maybe your interest would return. It's like, I don't want to take a pill. (laughs) Um, I'm happy the way that I'm at. I, I, I'm happy where I'm at, you know. Uh, l- let's talk a little bit more as we continue here talking with Sandy Robertson. Why am I eating this? Um, is this the nourishment I need? It's the second edition by Sandy Robertson. Uh, empowering new book takes you from emotional eating. Now, this is what's interesting, folks, to empowered Living, a step-by-step guide to transform your relationship with food. I know, too, that um, that relationship can uh, can really be skewed, especially by the advertisements that we see uh, and hear uh, on radio and television and even on the Internet, uh, the, the social media and all of that kind of stuff. They're really pushing stuff. And we're going to continue talking about this here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we're talking with um, the um, the former manager of a national wellness and hospital obesity program. She's bringing <clears throat> brings a wealth a wealth of knowledge around helping people uncover the deeper issues driving unhealthy eating. That's what we're talking about, and there is a valuable insight found when we take a close look at our eating habits and understanding how and why we eat can reveal our deeper self. Um, and it's, uh, it's all part of self care. And have you ever asked yourself, mm-hmm. is this the nourishment I need? Self care, big deal. Uh, uh, that, that, uh, for example, when I have gone through some of these stressful periods um I was reminded, and I'm very grateful for the network of people I have surrounding me, uh, from my, uh, my sisters and, and my, my mother, uh, to others here in Santa Barbara who would constantly be reminding me, Richard, be sure to take care of yourself. You know, if it means taking some time, going out to the beach or, you know, sitting with a nice cup of coffee or your favorite latte, my chai latte that I love from Starbucks. <laughs> or you know whatever it is a short pause being involved in that uh, that program that I was in with the with the revels this year in spite of the fact that I caught a little something uh I still had a wonderful time it was getting away from the regular routine that's that's self-care um is it starting to be understood as an important aspect or is it still, oh, that's awful narcissistic of you. What is that, a big S on self?
1: <laughs> there's, luckily, there's a lot in the media now about self-care. And a lot of the images I see are bubble baths surrounded by candles. And yes, a walk on the beach, which is wonderful. And I believe what I'm excited to share with people is that self-care is so much more. We've been talking about it already in terms of nourishment, family, friends, and social support, music, fun, fun is self-care, you know, Mm -hmm. laughter, calling a friend, Uh, yes, having a chai latte or, you know, a nice warm (laughs) beverage. I've also mentioned many times, but it can't, it's not something uh, to be over or underestimated is sleep. Sleep is self-care. Sometimes going to sleep at 8.30 is what we need. Mm. Water is self-care. Eating the colors of the rainbow, (laughs) you know, bright vegetables, leafy greens, fruits with bright colors. I love that. It makes it so simple. Eat the colors of the rainbow unless your doctor is advised otherwise. So Mm -hmm. think of a circle of health. There are many circles of health, wheels of health used by hospitals uh, from ancient times even. And like slices of a pie. Think of nutrition, spirituality, Mm. movement. Just walking a lot, friends, family, you know, the power of the mind, sleep, water, diet, spiritual support, energetic support, you know, supporting our body energetically, getting body work and or acupuncture, massage, energy healing, Reiki, healing touch, which I do. And as much as people can remember that self-care is not just what is done by others for us, Mm -hmm. but what we give to ourselves. And a lot of it is the self-talk that we're saying
0: about the day, Mm -hmm.
1: what we deserve. You know, I deserve to go to sleep early. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah. So it's think of the wheel of health, the circle of health. It's always changing. And in any given moment, what are the elements of the circle in terms of self-care and self-nourishment that's right for me in this moment that's really what i'm excited to share with people as I help them learn more tools for self empowerment and self care
0: you know there was a a piece of information that came out. The question was, what is the one thing that was introduced that disconnected us from our relationship with food. And a lot of people would come up with all kinds of strange and unusual answers. And I found the answer to that question was absolutely fascinating. The fork. Because we no longer touched our food because it was, oh my God, that's barbaric. You don't eat. With your hands, but that's how they ate before the fork, spoon, and knife came along. And of course, there are no photographs of the people of that day, and whether they were obese or whatever the case might be. But I thought that was an interesting observation. What are your thoughts?
1: I agree a hundred percent. In fact. A book that discusses this very thing, I love that you brought this up, is called The Hungry Soul, S-O-U-L. And it discusses mm-hmm. the evolution of how people have eaten over the centuries, including, like you just said, eating with our hands, which helps us be more in touch with, <clears throat> excuse me, the texture, the amount of food. We're more aware. It's mm-hmm. it's really the earliest form of mindful eating, <laughs> being aware of what we're picking up and holding, how much it weighs and putting it in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And the book also talks about that a lot of times we think we're craving food and our soul is craving something. So I love, it has a lot more great information historically, but I love the two perspectives and I agree. Probably the fork changed a lot. I think TV eating uh, meals, watching TV and or while on our phones also changed it because That disconnected us from being conscious and aware of what we're putting in our bodies. And mindful eating, which I also talk about in the book, and people have heard of mindful eating, but the notion of eating slowly and being present with the food and chewing and savoring and tasting it, and back to the fork, Richard putting the fork and utensils down in between bites. Mm -hmm. If you want to do a great social experiment, just go into any restaurant or, you know, with friends and just notice how many people put their utensils down in between bites versus... So most people then eat their meal in five or 10 minutes and say, I'm done. I want seconds. I want more. But as you may know, probably know, it takes 20 minutes for the message to get from the stomach to the brain that we've had enough. So a gift and a tool, another great tool in my book, of mindful eating is eating slowly and putting our utensils down. And yes, even maybe being aware of the clock to have meals last at least 20 minutes. Even if everyone else is finished, that's okay. And, and shifting this ritual of eating so that we're more aware and tuned in and connected to the food like the cavemen, I love that example. Thank you for bringing that up.
0: Well, you know I've even heard um, I've even heard what you just stated um, that that pausing between bites even if you're using a fork. My challenge, of course, uh, when when eating with one's hands, whether it's, uh, let's just say, pizza or wings or something like that. For example, I have a container of watermelon here, and I will probably eat that with my hands. Obviously, in this day and age, you got to make sure you wash your hands, please, uh, especially if someone else is – you're sharing the, the plate with someone else. Um, but that's – as you've described throughout, that is something that is really, I think, very important uh, in that regard to – To be more mindful. I'm going to talk a little bit about the spiritual aspects. Uh, In this case, as we're talking about, why am I eating this? Is this the nourishment I need? Um, We're talking with Sandy Robertson, registered nurse, uh, as well as former corporate and and, uh, hospital wellness uh, program manager. Uh, she shares steps in uh, which uh, readers can transform their relationship with food, making space for self-care, as we've been talking about, as a form of nourishment. With a background in holistic uh, nursing and uh, leading preventative uh, l- preventative lifestyle changes uh, change programs around mindful a uh, mind body, I should say wellness in several corporations corporations and hospitals. And she brings her wealth of knowledge to the second edition of the book again entitled, Why Am I Eating This? Her book, her book, I should say her website, which we want you to go to is energyworkswisdom.com. You go to her website to connect with Sandy, receive a free excerpt from her book focusing on self-care and mind body nourishment and let Sandy know that you heard about her book on this program tell me your story for a free 20 minute in uh, complimentary consultation around how you can use the tools in her book to change your relationship with food and eating for good and um, the spiritual aspects surrounding how do I want to put this? Nourishing ourselves. There were lots of other things I was going to use uh, the analogy, but I think that one's the, the kindest, if you will. Uh, nourishing the body physically, chemically, uh, chemistry and so forth. H- how how do we tap into what is what are some of your suggestions, techniques, et cetera, et cetera, for? Um, uh, the um the spiritual aspects of of doing this and 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 the impacts on our souls our spirits
1: well richard spirituality is different for everyone and there's religion and there's spirituality and how i look at it is that it's so helpful and powerful to have something outside of us that we look to that connects us with the universe or a way for us to connect with the universe, God, source, nature, whatever we want to call it. And often nature is so powerful. Going outside, looking up at the sky, trees, flowers, helps us shift our perspective and also provides comfort and uh, makes us remember we're not alone. So for everyone, whether it's God or a prayer or meditation or chanting or drumming, that's comforting for them. That's awesome. And we might not always be able to do that, especially in the middle of a work day. So that's why to me, nature's uh, very powerful. Even if it's going out on a balcony, if we work in a building or a corporation, taking a two minute walk outside, lighting a candle, having rituals around our spirituality, whether it's music, sound, um, gongs, chimes, symphonies that we play. So ways that connect us to who we pray to and ways that connect us to nature and the power of the universe and rituals can all serve to support and comfort and nourish us in our own unique way throughout the day. I think one thing I do in my coaching with clients looking at mind, body, spirit, emotional, and energetic support is for them to come up with ways that they can bring spirit into their lives in their own unique way every day, based on their lifestyle and habits and schedule. Just the two minute pauses throughout the day, perhaps saying a prayer or mantra or affirmation can really support us spiritually and remind us that we're not alone.
0: Hmm. Well, you know, we're not alone. That's one of the things that a lot of folks, um, haven't quite grasped. They they think they are alone, and they're not. I mean, even if you are living somewhat of a solitary existence, there are a lot of people out there, and all you have to do is put yourself out there. You just have to get out there and mingle, as it were. I'm the type of person who can walk into a room of strangers and usually make friends pretty quickly with a, a lot of different people, and... uh I'm grateful for that uh, that ability to do that because uh, I don't have to feel like I'm alone. And yet there are times when we kind of wish that we were alone. We were by ourselves and we need to take that time, do we not? We need to make sure that we make time. I don't want to say downtime per se, but just that, again, it does go back to the self-care where, yeah, you surround yourself with friends and family and so forth. And, yeah, that can be part of the self-care where you're there like when I call my mom and she supports me and encourages me and gives me some insights from her perspective. I think my favorite, <clears throat> my favorite line that she gave me just recently after sharing with her, some of the activities that are going on, she's well, that's life. <laughs> Where have I heard that line before? There's a song that's coming out of that one. Uh, but that's kind of the way it is. And do you think that, what about therapy? Um, of all different kinds, a lot of times you you have therapy with just friends. You ha- and, and, and this ties into, and this is part of the question, ties into uh, creating a network of people. Whether it's physical contact in terms of you know people that you'll meet on the street or in a coffee shop or what have you, or just on the phone or even – is social media along those lines or at least maybe if you're having private conversations let's say texting and that kind of thing um, with an individual not not on social media where everybody the whole world can see what you're talking about uh, but talk to us a little bit about the importance of uh, a creating a network of some sort in terms of therapy.
1: Well I love the expression it takes a village And I try to live by that and encourage all my friends and clients to remember it takes a village. And part of that village does include psychological support, mental health support, uh, spiritual support. Therapy is very, very valuable because it's a trained, neutral person guiding us, giving us perspectives that we may not have because they're looking at us, you know, from a compassionate neutral place. Therapists can also provide a lot of tools, cognitive restructuring, self-talk, other techniques that they've been trained in. And one important thing I'd like your listeners to remember is sometimes it takes some therapist shopping to find the right one. That's the best match for you. I've had friends who say, well, I tried, you know, therapy with a therapist. It wasn't helpful. And I encourage people to interview therapists, talk to them, whether someone prefers male or female, to really find the right match for you and what you need in your life. The other thing, just other point I wanted to bring up is that timing is everything, including all of these things in the circle of health. So we might, therapy might be helpful for a few months or a year. So I want to remind people doesn't mean it's forever, you know, and it might be, but you're a unique individual. So timing is everything with nourishment, when we eat, when we sleep, and even when it's time to choose a therapist.
0: I think it's really important for us to keep in mind, with that regard, that that whatever network you have, no matter how large or small, it's important. I <clears throat> I would uh, be calling to talk maybe. Not that, not that I ever really sought out a lot of advice from my father, although I always enjoyed talking with him. Now he's everywhere, and so I can talk to him anytime I want. Uh, I enjoy calling my mom and talking with her, my elder sister. I can't call my best friend of 53 years, but now he's everywhere, so I can actually talk to him anytime I want. Uh, but there is something um, really kind of nice to be able to actually converse back and forth with a real voice. <clears throat> but um, I had a dear friend. I tried to call her my uh, my mentor. Uh, she did not like that at all. She said, "No, I'm just a good friend." Okay, I don't think she wanted that uh, that uh, um, moniker, if you will, that title, that pedestal, if you will. Uh, and I respected that. But I would call her from time to time, and she would share all kinds of more spiritual and metaphysical insights. I'm in the right place where I need to be at this time in my life, uh, here on the coast in Santa Barbara, and I need to stay put for a while and so forth and so on. and um, that's been that's been really good for me. Do you find that for yourself uh, are, are you uh, uh Sandy, are you taking? that time for self on a regular basis? Or do you, do you like probably many of us, struggle with uh, f- trying to make time for self?
1: Well, I've noticed recently, especially since I'm talking about all these things a lot more with my book, and it's a busy time of the year with the holidays, so I've had a lot of clients lately. So I find that the more... I guide people and suggest it for others. I need to walk my talk. And over the weekend, for example, I was very tired and I thought, I need a nap. And, you know, once upon a time, I used to think, oh, that's being lazy or that's indulgent, you know, just keep moving, be productive. And I just paused for a moment back to tuning in and I was really tired. And my body was saying, you need a nap. Mm. And I fell asleep for an hour in the afternoon. It's unusual. So, I'm working more of practicing what I preach in terms of that pause and tuning in with a lot of decisions throughout the day, actually moment to moment. Is this the right time for this? And what does my mind, body, spirit, energy system need right now? And again, the point, sometimes it's two or five minutes to reset. Yeah. Sometimes going outside, looking at the sky, the leaves, the birds, for two minutes, breathing back to, uh, you know, the power of the breath and oxygenating our brain and five minute walk can be a reset and a refresh.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I know that when I have the opportunity, I go and, and yeah, okay. <clears throat> I walk, <laughs> I take a walk over to the starbucks to get my latte cuz that's something that brings me uh brings me uh brings me joy in that respect it tastes good for one it's all with non it's all with um uh, all natural sweeteners i use stevia myself or stevia or whatever uh <laughs> and um then i will take a walk down a few blocks and then walk back up again when i have an hour to get away and, um, I love that yeah. on a day like today with you and I here conversing. You're my first interview. Then I have some programs I have to produce. I have another interview in about two hours. And then, uh, three hours after that, actually two hours after that interview, I have another interview. Hopefully, well, it's going to be a challenge to get out and take a walk because it's raining. Here on this particular day, you and I are conversing, but I like walking in the rain too. So there you go. There's, there's a, 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 a trifecta, so to speak. I get to get out and walk. I get to walk in the rain and I get to um, have my, my latte with me as I do that.
1: Sounds perfect. Yeah. Sounds perfect. And like you said, 10 or 15 minutes is great. Actually, lately I've started trying to take a little walk for 10 or 15 minutes before dinner. Sometimes it's longer, but I find that 10 or 15 minute at the end of the day, reset, come back and start getting dinner ready. And it's sort of a pre mindfulness approach to preparing dinner that I'm not, I'm starving, I'm diving in. And I do it more for just a pause and a refresh, but I've noticed that happens to be affecting that pre dinner time of, Oh, I want a snack. I want to eat something. So yeah. refreshes are really great throughout the day just like you pointed out.
0: Oh, absolutely. And there are times when I I see the, I I look at my calendar and I'm going, oh, this afternoon I'm going to have this particular time period open, you know. And I'm going to make sure that I get out of here as soon as that show's over and everything's processed. I'm getting out of here for, and even if I just have a half an hour, I still have enough time to to walk. It's only two blocks. And uh, at least get out, get some air, if there's sun, get some sun. In this case, get some rain. Um, and and as much as I would love to take the 20 minutes to walk down to the beach, which is as close as I am, by the way, Sandy, to the beach. Uh, literally a 20-minute walk.
1: Nice. Very um,
0: nice. You know, I haven't been to the beach in a long time. Strangely enough, as close as I am, <clears throat> I just – I haven't taken the time. Uh, I used to say, I don't have the time. No, 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 no. I – haven't taken the time. You find that a lot of people take that perspective that they they just uh, they don't they don't um, recognize their level of responsibility for. Um, they don't recognize their responsibility for their own lives. That they they put it on someone or something else.
1: Yes, exactly. I find a lot of people think. Their schedule is driven by forces outside of them. And if we have a job, of course, to some degree, that's true. But so much of the quality of our lives is driven by how we approach it moment to moment and also what we schedule. You know, most people are scheduling on their phones in 15-minute increments. So a walk, a 20- or 30-minute trip to the beach, a 10-minute phone call with a friend, listening to some music, that actually can be scheduled. And so I encourage people to take responsibility, like you're saying, for scheduling. I love the concept of self-care, but they might want to call it a refresh or a spiritual moment or a reset, whatever phrase they want to use to nurture themselves. They can control that.
0: Yeah, they, they um, they should take the time. They should take the time. We all should take the time. And we're taking the time here with Sandy Robertson, and uh, she is uh, sharing with us and revealing the um, nourishment we may be really seeking through our personal eating habits and patterns, self-love. When we truly care about ourselves and our physical health and our health habits frequently improve, uh, our health habits do frequently improve, and as she states... Outer self care reflects inner self love and appreciation. Do you find that sometimes it's hard to find others who, and again, it's not like we're, it's not, we're not looking for approval, but it sure is nice to hear every once in a while. You know what? Because I, mean, I still hear ringing in my ears from my father. Even the night before he passed away, he told me that he was proud of me. Do you think that for some reason that is so lacking and that to me seems like a an integral part to everybody's lives they need to be appreciated
1: I think we need to find people who appreciate us and choose friends who love us and see the best in us and can celebrate our essence and our good points and also know the real us and can be honest with us if uh you know, some things need tweaking, but it's important to choose friends wisely. And even family sometimes asking, it's okay to say, I, I could use a little more affirmation. I could use a little more appreciation and to ask for
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, w- it's interesting. And I know that it is not done out of habit when I talk with my elder sister. Um we both tell each other that we love each other, you know, as we end the conversation love you, love you and but it's it's heartfelt because i i I appreciate her, her open ear and and I do. Open up the conversation. Hey, so how are things going for you back there in Phoenix and this and that and the other? Are you all set for Christmas and how's your health? And, you know, are you doing well and feeling good? Cause I mean, we're all up there in years and we're all dealing with, uh, with our old, with our own, uh, 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 issues, you know, we're all dealing with our own health issues as we get older. Uh, but I'm sitting here going, Sandy, you don't know this. My great grandmother on my mother's side. She lived to be one hundred, and when in nineteen ninety five we were at—I uh, forget which birthday it was—we were celebrating. I said, "I'm going to outlive that woman." And as the years went by, I said, "And she's making it really hard." Not that I <laughs> wanted her to pass, but see, my my biggest goal is living to one hundred fully intact. I must add, fully intact. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, this whole thing with type two diabetes and the, all that—the glucose thing. Uh, cause you know, everybody's wanting to scare me. Well, if you don't get it under control, you could lose a toe or a foot or this or that. Shut up. Just shut the heck up. That's not going to happen. I'm going to get this. I'm going to master this again. Uh, because that's what it's going to take for, uh, for, and, and that's what it's going to take for anybody, right? To, to, to deal with the certain conditions. Cause I don't have high blood pressure anymore. I used to. And I would say, This is temporary, despite what my mother said, that it runs in the family. It's like, fine, let it run in the rest of the family. It's not running with me. What about self-talk, guys? I know you mentioned that earlier. Um, Whether we believe, I mean, are you of the philosophy, uh, uh, what is it, uh, fake it till you make it, speak it until you truly believe it and know it?
1: Um, That works for some people. That doesn't necessarily work for me all the time. I think there's so much power in self-talk. And what I love to remind my clients and myself is that we're talking to ourselves all the time, all day long, thousands of thoughts. And there's a whole aspect of psychiatry, specialization and uh, psychology called cognitive restructuring, where we learn to n- notice our thoughts and stop and notice, you know, that's probably not that helpful what I'm saying to myself right now and to re you know, a different, more positive. I mean, mm-hmm. affirmations are along that line, but I love the research and data behind cognitive therapy and cognitive restructuring that it people can re-choose their thoughts and learn to feel better. And some data looked at it actually, um, comparing it to antidepressants and the power of self-talk not to say people should not use antidepressants but again the power of retraining our minds to to say more positive things self-talk is especially helpful which is a chapter in my book about it around food Mm -hmm. and again it can be a question too do i really need that right now or how much is enough i love that question how much is enough what does my body really need right now? What, what fuel would be good for me? Uh, can I just start with a little amount and then maybe have seconds, you know, thinking mm-hmm. of the, the holidays coming up. So that's with food, but self-talk can serve us in terms of what's best for me right now. i give the example, maybe I need a nap. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to go to sleep yeah. earlier. Maybe So a lot of people have shame and blame And their themes of, I hate myself, or I'm not good enough, or I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? If I ever now and then say that to myself, I catch myself and say, stop, (laughs) stop, take a breath, re-choose, re-choose. And imagine if this were a friend, a good friend, what would you say to the friend? You would say, it's okay. We all make mistakes, you know, don't worry about it, and next, something that's loving and compassion. You might have heard of mindful self-compassion, a form of mindfulness. And I love the, the sayings and the loving kindness of, you know, may I be kind to myself and may I love myself and may I nurture myself. Again, a whole specialization in mindful self-compassion and research. And I I feel we all need to be more compassionate with ourselves and positive nurturing self-talk can be part of that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Self-talk is so important, and I find, I, I don't know, I feel a little bit like I'm channeling my father when this happens. I start talking to myself about the circumstances, uh certain circumstances in my life every so often, and it's like, where's this coming from? And I think, that's probably my dad giving me advice, hey you're doing fine, you're doing great, everything's going to be just, just hang in there, just hang I'm in so there. I'm so proud of you. You know, and I just, yeah, and I'm so proud of you, and I'm happy that you're happy, and uh I pay homage to he and several others at the end of every program, which you'll hear shortly, um, because I want to honor them uh for the contributions they have made. I mean, in You and I, the the only reason, uh, aside from the fact that my parents had me, uh, the only other reason why you and I are here talking is literally because of the thousands of people who've been involved in my life in the 63 years that I've been around. That's, you know, I didn't get here on my own. I'm grateful to be here, and I'm grateful to have the abilities and the, the capabilities and the talents and all of those things that's great but i i owe i think I'd be accurate in saying i owe everything to the thousands of people who have who have brought me here and uh so I do that to to a, a special group of of people that that <laughs> that uh um, I'll mention uh, when we come to the end of the program, Sandy Robertson's my guest, and uh, she has a, a book that I want you to get a copy of. I've got my copy. It's not a uh, not a long read, kids. Uh, by the way, is it audible?
1: Uh, not yet on audible. It is on Kindle.
0: And it looks like it's such a, a narrow little a small little book here. Probably take about a half hour to forty forty-five minutes yeah. to read. But, yeah. but nonetheless, it'll be a good read, a good read. The website is energyworkswisdom.com, energyworkswisdom.com, which we will be we will be linked to. And you want to go to her website to contact Sandy. Receive a free excerpt from her new book focusing on self-care and mind-body nourishment. And then let Sandy know that you heard about her book on Tell Me Your Story for a free 20-minute complimentary consultation around how you can use the tools in her book to change your life with food and eat for good. Uh, And uh, we hope that you'll get a copy of I, Why Am I Eating This? Is This the Nourishment I Need? It's the second edition here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan and uh, Sandy Robertson, I want to thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun and I've learned an awful lot from you on this program Uh, as well as as, uh, being, uh, getting some confirmation on things that I've already known, but it's nice to get it from an expert, if you will. Someone who has been dealing with this for a long time, a minimum 25 years. And uh, I thank you so much for being on our program. I do have three final questions that I ask all of my guests and I'll ask those of you But first, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and during the month of December, Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m., and we we stream at those times At richarddugan.com, we podcast our programs on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, and many other locations, too numerous to mention here. We're on YouTube where you can watch these conversations, and if you don't click subscribe, at least notification. I'm not sure you can do one without the other, but in any event, that way you'll be notified when a new conversation is posted and you can uh, tune into it and listen and learn. And be hopefully entertained and educated and inspired as well. We also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we would be gratefully appreciative. Uh, yeah, there are expenses involved. Uh, they're not huge. Thank you. But, um, I managed to keep them, keep the expenses low, but they're still there. So anything you can do is gratefully appreciated. And to that end, we have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And the email address you're going to put into that field when they ask is richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And also, as we've talked about on this program, as we do on almost every program, take time during this, the decade of perfect vision, and we're almost through the fourth – it is actually the fourth year of this decade – 2020 the decade of perfect vision and spend some time in that quiet peaceful calm still place which by the way no one else can get to but you you found it but nobody else can and listen to that still small voice that might be able to help you answer the question why am i eating this uh you just never know uh we hope that you will do just that with all of that being said we move to our final three questions. The first of which is Who is Sandy Robertson?
1: I'm a healer who wants to help people tune in to their essence and mind, body, spirit, energy systems in beautiful new ways. That's what I care about the most. Mm-hmm.
0: What gets you out of bed every morning?
1: Loving life, loving nature, loving my friends and family, and gratitude that I get to be here for another day.
0: Mm. And finally, what was your best day?
1: The day I was born.
0: Once again, Sandy, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We look forward to having you back as we uh, move into uh, the new year and uh, I will tell you real quickly that um, my plate helping shifted when I was a kid at uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, because we had dinners on all those days, I would pile it on and I would walk away from the table stuffed. What taught me was I didn't like the feeling, but I do like the feeling of being full after a program like this, full of great information and insight. And I thank you again for being a part of that.
1: It's been a pleasure. I loved all of your questions and I really hope it will help your listeners approach the holidays and the new year
0: Mm.
1: in some new ways with some new beautiful tools for self-care and self-nourishment. So thank you. Very much.
0: You are very welcome. And I thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story. New paradigms for a new world. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true until our next broadcast podcast video cast. Here we go. Love to law Jeanette. I am still listening. Dad continue to be happy because I am to my friend Smokey. Hey, I will see you on the other side. And to my dear friend Zorro. Aho, aho.